0: to another episode of the Bipolar Disorder Moment. My name is Alan Cooper. Today will be episode 11 of my series of readings that I have done for my yet-to-be-published book, Brain Betrayal, The Alan They'd Never Met. Before I read today, I just wanted to give a couple of, just a bit of information about the nature of bipolar disorder. Genetic factors account for about 60 to 80% of the cause of bipolar disorder, which means that heredity isn't the only cause of the illness. It also means if you have a family history of the disorder, you won't definitely develop it. Most family members of someone with bipolar disorder won't develop the condition. So because I have a family history of bipolar disorder, I have an uncle who had it, and I'm not sure of generations before if they had it. I suspect somebody did. When I went through these stressful moments, I had a manic episode. Without that history... I would not have gone through an episode, many people go through this amount of stress and they would not have an episode like I did. I also wanted to mention that I will be talking about moments where I'm acutely ill, so my memory isn't great, but I've written it to to the best of my ability from what I can remember. So we'll start with Chapter 12, Sharing My Gift. It's called The Trip. Miho, Desmond, James, and my aunt stood before me in our living room. Desmond was nodding, reinforcing my impression that everything I was saying was pure gold. My aunt clutched her medical bag in the corner, wearing a purple sweater that my new bipolar brain had decided was a dangerous color. James was the overachiever in our family who excelled in athletics and academia. I thought the fact that he had come all the way across the world to hear what I had to say in person was proof of how brilliant I had become. Okay, who's got the ball? I asked. The ball concept grew out of the take the ball and run message Matthew wrote on the fax he sent me. I had enhanced the idea with my genius bipolar brain before they arrived. A ball was an idea. When I had the ball, I tossed the ball to another. Then they would add their ideas to the ball and toss it back. This continued until the ball became layered into an exceptional theory. Of course, I did not explain any of that to them. I was sure that they all knew what I meant because I explained it to them telepathically when they were in Canada. I completely expected that one of them had been working on the ball before they arrived in Japan. I repeated, Who's got the ball? and I waited patiently for a response, thinking that their inferior minds needed more time to get to the aha moment. I desperately hoped they would. My aunt said, What ball, Loopy? Which is her pet name for me. Since she was wearing purple, I completely ignored her. I do, James announced. Everyone turned and stared at James. I was so relieved. Now we were getting somewhere. We didn't have to stand there wasting time. We could advance to the part where we became instantly rich and fly to Thailand. Okay. Now what? I said. I don't think that was the response they were expecting, and the moment of hope we all shared in clarifying the situation had vanished. Their faces quickly melted into sadness. They all began to intermittently look down at the ground and glance at my brother. I guess it did not really matter what I said next because I was not making sense. I was disappointed by that they didn't understand, but I was not surprised. Naturally, mere mortals would not be able to comprehend the ideas of a genius who is gifted with unlimited intelligence from the universe. I thought it would probably be easier for them if I gave them a physical demonstration of how I had become a superior being. I moved into the center of the tatami room and crouched into karate stance. Then I yelled, hi as I turned around and did a double karate chop in the air at the corner of the room behind me to the left. Then I did a 180-degree spin and yelled, hi and thrust my double karate chop to the opposite corner. Then I completed the move by chopping in the air at the remaining corners. I had figured out how to fight four different assailants attacking me from different directions. They looked at me with their mouths agape, but no words were coming out. Now all eyes turned to my aunt who was clinging to her medical bag like a teddy bear. I assume in that moment they all knew what they had to do to get me the help I needed. A tiny prick through my pants would be my last memory of being in Japan. My life in Japan was over. I would never become a Japanese interpreter. I would never read a Japanese newspaper or sit in a coffee shop discussing politics, sumo wrestling, and topics I loved. I would never spend another conscious moment in the country that had become my home. Okay, that's the end of that section. I have to say I did leave out, I didn't read the portion of how I ended up in a position before the injection took place. During these readings, there's a level of vulnerability that I haven't gone into. and If my book gets published, it will all be in there. Okay, the next section is called Search for Sanity. Discharge from the hospital. In this section... My brother has just a bit of background before I read it. My brother has just returned me back to the psych ward after a weekend pass, and I've just found out that I'm going to be discharged. And this is how I dealt with the news. My five-year plan to become bilingual is over. What am I supposed to do with my life now? I don't have a job, or the possibility of becoming bilingual. I'm living in the city I was determined to escape from, and now I'm trapped here for reasons beyond my control. It does not matter what I try to do, I will always be stuck in misery. These thoughts bombarded my brain, leaving little cognitive power to complete the simple task of filling the hockey bag with a small locker full of personal items. After about an hour, I heard the nurse on the other side of my drape enclosure telling me I needed to hurry up. Then, an hour later, she returned with the same warning, with the volume of her voice slightly raised. I was not trying to stall. My brain and arms were not obeying my attention of packing the bag. After another hour, the nurse entered my room, and I saw her shoes under the drapes. She said, Alan, can I come in? Yes. When she drew back the curtain, she saw me standing there with my bag on the bed open, but only a couple of things in it. My hands were shaking as I tried to slowly put one item at a time into the bag. Oh, dear, she said, tilting her head a bit to the side and letting out a sigh. Let me give you a hand. She put her hand gently on my arm and took the book from me. She said, It's okay. I can do this. Just have a seat on the bed. I sat down with my gaze fixed up of my window. The nurse said, Look, this is going to be hard, especially the first couple of months of getting used to life outside of the walls of the hospital. I nodded. She zipped out the bag and said, I wish I could tell you that things will be easy after that, but I can't. This is going to take you some time to recover from. But Alan, she put her hand on my shoulder, and when I looked up, she said, You will recover from this. She carried the bag to the front and handed it to Arthur. She gave me my belt and shaving razor back that were taken from me when I was admitted to the ward. She gave me a piece of paper that had an appointment to see my psychiatrist at his office written on it, as well as community resources to help me with life out of the hospital. All the nurses said goodbye and take care of yourself. I felt a sense of panic. How am I going to survive without their support? Then we stepped through the doors to leave the psych ward and my connection to Japan was officially severed. When I arrived on the psych ward I weighed 160 pounds I was making excellent money and I felt confident I was going to realize my dream of becoming a Japanese interpreter. When I left the psych ward, I weighed 220 pounds. I had no money, and I was walking into the abyss of having no path in life. Okay, that's the end of that section. It's still hard to read that section. It's maybe one of the worst days of my life, if not the worst day of my life. The last thing I'm going to read here is um, a description of the depressive, part of the description of the depressive episode I had after my first manic episode. Bipolar depressive episodes take the human out of human existence. During my depressive episode, all five of my senses worked, but my experience of my environment was limited. I could identify sour, sweet, and salty food, but eating gave me no pleasure. I had no reaction to the fragrance of flowers, coffee, or fresh air. I could identify all the colors of a rainbow, but I could not experience its beauty. My cognitive function diminished significantly, making conversation almost impossible. I did not have the brain power required to understand what was being said, and quickly come up with a positive, spontaneous reply. I would wait for words to come to me, but my mind would be blank. My body was in tremendous pain, and the fatigue was extreme. I only had enough energy to brush my teeth with both hands, eat a bun with butter, and go back to bed. The warmth of being under the blankets helped ease the pain and exhaustion. My brain kept running a negative stream of thoughts that included killing myself as my best option. When I'm not in a depressive episode, this idea does not come to me. Okay, that's the end of that section. So those are all of the acute experiences of bipolar disorder that I have the first time I experienced them, and they were awful. I just wanted to point out... I tried to highlight how bipolar disorder is a physical illness with psychological symptoms. It's not a psychological problem with physical symptoms. I was hoping that what I've written here will help people understand that bipolar disorder is a physical illness. Today was a bit of a downer. I'm sorry. But I did promise that... Adversity was coming soon. I, my last reading, uh, um, next week, we will hear a bit more of the positive. And that will be it for all the readings I've done this summer. any rate, I hope you enjoyed today's reading or found it meaningful. If you would like to learn a bit more about me or read some of the things that I've written, my blog is bipolarweekly.com and my Twitter handle is at Alan G. Cooper. I have a Facebook group, The Bipolar Disorder Moment. Thank you for listening again. This has been another bipolar disorder moment.